Good evening. Thank you for joining us tonight and joining us on Facebook. As we have been going through the book of Revelation, thank you for joining us on that as well. I had been thinking, and, and week before last, had been talking about that as we're going through Revelation on Sunday, <coughs> you will find, and I've mentioned this many times, that there are different camps. And no matter who you talk to, and there's a lot of theologians that go a lot of different ways when it comes to the book of Revelation. Okay, and we've talked about pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, pre-mill, post-mill, all-mill. You hear all these terms that I went over in the beginning, and different people have different views. And I went through this book and, and, and felt led to go through it because, again, I think we miss a lot of times the, the, the application of the book. You know, first of all, it's written to the persecuted church. And, and second of all, is to give us an understanding of who Jesus Christ is. And I think a lot of times we miss that. And regardless of whatever camp you stand in, I have come to the conclusion, and I've talked with others about this, and I believe it with all my heart, if you don't have an understanding of the gospel... And Revelation is going to make no sense. If you don't know who Jesus is, the person in the work of Christ, it, it, it makes no sense. And, and if you remember, last, or a week before last, I'd gone through some things, and I was a little wound up on that. But at the same time, I want you to understand that <clears throat> here's the deal. Regardless of where the future may lead, and I don't care if gas is four oh seven a gallon or $540 a gallon, no matter whether you have a 401k or not, it doesn't matter how much money you make an hour. Uh, you say, yeah, it does. Listen to me. In the end of things, it don't. Okay? You're not going to stand before Jesus and say, I made $25 an hour. Amen? You know what I mean? Okay. Because all those things are material things. Now, they're important for us being able to take care of our family. Yes, we need money. We need places to live. We need a way to get from a to point A to point B. But the problem is, is that has taken over the lifestyle and has become the focus of families instead of our focus on Jesus Christ. And like I said before, considering we have gone through an atmosphere of humanism and self-righteousness, those things have not only manifested themselves in our life, but they've also manifested themselves in the church, and therefore we have the health, wealth. You can have whatever God wants you to have if you just be more faithful and give this. And you see all this junk. And what has happened now that revelation is kicking in and all these things are coming, if you will, all these things are happening, we have a false security in our own self that Jesus ought to be privileged that we're here. That he ought to be, God ought to be happy to have me. And that's the kind of attitude we've developed. Am I wrong? Think about this. This kind of attitude we've well, it's happened. And, and as I was going through this week before last, what God laid on my heart today was to talk about sin in the believer. Now, what do you mean by that, Chad? You see, a lot of people ask me questions like, okay, how can you tell whether a person's saved or lost? Well, of course, that's ultimately between them and God. But what I will tell you this, as I've said, sin does what? Hurts. Okay? If you're a believer, sin hurts. And I want to talk to you about that for a few moments. Now, it doesn't hurt because you get caught. That's feeling sorry for your sin. And we know a lot of people like that. Was, I'm sorry. Are you sorry because you got caught or are you sorry because you done it? And there's two different things. 
I, I, well, no, I better not get that because somebody probably pick anyway. It don't matter. I've known some people that's done some crazy stuff. So have I. But the difference between feeling sorry and repenting is feeling sorry as you got caught. Repenting is turning from it and changing directions. So what I want to do this morning is I want to look at the life of Paul. Now, there's a lot of people that will say, or there's a half and half account, say, this passage you're going to read, we're going to read was Paul pre-saved. The passage I'm going to read, I do not agree with that 100%. I fall into the camp that I believe this is Paul after he has been saved. I want to tell you people, listen to me real close, okay? Spiritual warfare is real. I think Baptists a lot of times get afraid of that term. But spiritual warfare is real. Satan is strong. His demonic oppression is strong. But greater is he who is in you than he is in the world, okay? So, how does a, <clears throat> how does a Christian, how, what does it look like when there's a Christian that is walking with Christ that fails or sins? What is the difference between those people that claim to be a believer and live like hell? Well, let me show you what Paul says about that. <clears throat> again, turn with me to the book of Romans. Again, bear with me, and we'll be in Revelation again this Sunday. If we don't understand the basics of the gospel, then we don't know who Christ is. Romans chapter 7. And I'm going to begin in, 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 in verse 14. But I want to tell you, we've gone through Romans. And Romans is the Mount Everest of theology. But during Romans chapter 7, as Paul has, has gone through, there's none righteous, not a human being, no, not one. And the first three chapters deal with sin and the effects of sin upon man. And then Paul will begin to build his way in case on the name of Jesus Christ. And I want you to look what he says in verse 14. For we know the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold as a slave to sin. For I do not understand what I am doing, because I do not practice what I want to do, but what I hate. Now if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law that is good. <clears throat> so now I am no longer the one doing it, but, the sin, but it is sin living in me. For I know that nothing good lives in me. You should underline that. There is nothing good that lives in me. But there is, okay, there's nothing good that lives in me that is in my flesh. There again, that's why I believe this man's a believer. That is in my flesh. Underline that, to, underline that too. That is in my flesh. I have told you, when I leave this world, do not anybody say I'm a good man. I am not a good man. There is no good in me. Okay? Only good in me is Christ who lives in me. I know my flesh. And look what it says. I know nothing good lives in me that is in my flesh. For the desire to do what is good is with me, but there's no ability to do it in the flesh. Listen, in the flesh. For I do not do the good that, that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. Now, if I do what I do not want, I am no longer the one that does it, but is the sin that lives in me. So I discover this law. 
when I want to do what is good, evil is present with me. For in my inner self, I delight in God's law. But I see a different law in the parts of my body, waging war against the law of my mind, and taking me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. What a wretched man am I. Now let me just sum up what's going on. Paul has a struggle. And every one of us have that struggle in, we know what's right because of the Holy Spirit in us. But we have a flesh that does this. Now I want to tell you something real quick, and I hope this helps. That's even manifested in our prayer life. Now what do you mean? And Jesus told us this. It is our desire, even in our prayer life a lot of times, to desire those things which we want. Now go with me on this. But what did Jesus say we should pray as? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, what? Why? Because my will and God's will are like this. Would you agree? Now I've been saying a lot of interesting prayers today. And there's a lot of times I have things that ponder through my mind. You see, what happens is this. In my flesh and in this little pea-sized brain I have, things pop in it. Now I want to tell you how powerful sin and spiritual warfare is. I said this yesterday to somebody. Once you see something, you can't unsee it. I can replay things in my mind that I've seen years ago. I can dwell on it. I can ponder on it. I can think about it. And that can become sinful. Because my thoughts are not on Christ, but on the world. Okay, bear with me. We know that in our own effort, we fall short. We know that that's why I continually say there must be a continual eye focused on Jesus Christ because you still have a sin nature. You're still a human being. That apart from Christ, there can be trouble. That's why Paul says, think on the good things. Why? Because when you think on the other things, it reminds you of those things you used to be. And it becomes sin. Think about it a few minutes. Let's look at it. Here this man is. He knows where he stands. And this is the point that I want to bring out that I believe Paul was saved when he wrote this. It's not a recount of his prior years. I believe he's saved. You know why? He says, what a wretched man I am. Every one of us are wretched apart from Jesus Christ. It is the recognition of the sinful battle that is going on within him and his need to continually hold on to Jesus Christ. That's what he is saying. Because he knows him. Now I know me. Now I want you to think about this. Satan has a way of dealing with each one of us. Now what do you mean by that? There's some things that are tempting to you that are not tempting to me. Would you concede that for me? Okay. 
Say, for instance, I have no desire to sit and just watch TV. I mean, I like The Blacklist. I think that's kind of cool. I like that show. I'm going to be honest with you. I like that show. And I like sometimes listening to praise music on YouTube. But I'm just not going to sit on the couch and watch TV. I, I don't do that. I can't. Okay? Now, some people may. It may be addicting to you. And you say, well, Chad, why are you making that comparison? How is that simple? Because I'm going to tell you that. See, that Satan may use you to distract you so you don't do the work that God has given you. It's a deterrent. I had a gambling problem before I got saved. I don't gamble. I know that could have been a temptation. I don't do it. But see, that might not be an issue for you. You could probably sit on top of a slot machine and have a good time. Never touch it. Never bother you. But here's my point. Satan doesn't always attack us all the same, and he doesn't always attack our weaknesses. He'll attack your strengths, too. Now listen to me. How can that happen? You see, here's the deal. If you know what your weaknesses are, and you know you're vulnerable, a lot of times you'll focus on your weaknesses and you'll overlook your strengths. If you've ever seen the movie Jurassic Park, remember the first Jurassic Park when he was talking about the Velociraptor? <clears throat> the Velociraptor he was telling about, that little kid said, it sounds like a big souped up turkey to me. He said, well, let me tell you about a Velociraptor. He said, you see this one's right in front of you and he's sizing you up. Now you got your attention on him. What you don't see is to others that are surrounding you. A lot of times we get focused on the one thing and we don't realize how powerful Satan is. And he'll hit us in areas we don't expect. Oh, wretched man that I am. For the things that I want to do, I don't do. Why? Because it's that fleshly self, that desire to do not which is right. So I have to keep my eyes focused on Christ. Now, I'm not saying that everybody will live perfectly. But you can see in Paul's writings, sin hurts. He calls himself presently a wretched man. I am wretched. I am ruined. That's what I am. But look what he says. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Now, I think that is a beautiful illustration, what he just said. Because sin leads to what? Death. The result of sin is death. This body of death, this fleshly desire. You know, I often think of the song, the song by, by Robert Robinson, Prone to Wonder. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. If you listen to his story and look at his testimony, he did. God had brought him home, brought him back. You see, because in the flesh, we want to go our own way. But if Christ lives in us, the Holy Spirit convicts you of your wretchedness. And you realize who your rescuer is. Listen to me. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, listen, 
With my mind, I myself am serving the law of God, but with my flesh, the law of sin. You see, that body that we possess, that we still have, has sinful characteristics. We're still fleshly. We're still human. But it is the inner Christ that lives within us that convicts us of those things that are wrong. That is the difference between a man who is professing believer and a man who is saved. Sin hurts. You realize your wretchedness. If there is not an understanding and a realization of your wretchedness, there's no Savior. And I say this, and I know I, I, I use this, I think Tiffany put it on my Facebook as a quote. You know, some people say the pastor can be too harsh or talk on sin too much. Said no saint ever. Those who have been saved understand the meaning of sin and understand the meaning of death and flesh. Because understand this, that I can talk all day long about the cool things that we see in Revelation, but the fact of the matter still remains that one day we're all going to die. And if you don't have an understanding of your life and how you stand before God, Revelation doesn't really make a difference if your life's not right. Because if Jesus tarries, I can assure you we're all going to the grave. So I said, so I say this. Paul came to the understanding as he is teaching this Mount Everest of theology that his body apart from Christ is wretched. But they must be a continual focus on Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to hold your place there and go with me to the book of 1 John. Book of 1 John, not the gospel of, but the book of 1 John. 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Jude, and Revelation. Now, Paul will echo, Paul, John will echo this sentiment. If I have said many times, John in his gospels and in his books, Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and the book of Revelation that is written, John speaks in rounds. And you'll notice that he does this to prove points. He's always looping. And I want to look at two passages of Scripture, if I could, with you. First, I want to look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. Listen to what he says. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness... We are lying and not practicing truth. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleansing us from all of sin. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. If you walk in sin, do you hear that? You see what he's saying? What does the walk mean in sin? To continue on that path. That's what it means. You continue to walk along the path of sin. It's a continual application. We're all going to fail. We're all going to sin, but that should never ever be used as a hall pass to live like hell. I I don't like that. We're not perfect, just forgiven. I, I don't like that. Because often that's used as an excuse. We're, if we're continually walking in sin, we're not in Him. 
That's why Paul says, I'm a wretched man. You see the thing? He recognizes that he can't walk continually. He recognizes that the only good in him is Christ that lives in him, and the only person that can rescue him from that walk is Christ. It is a continual walk in Christ. Now look what it says. Now this is a good one. Because you'll say, well, what about those who make a profession of faith and they're living like Hades? What do you do? I knew Fred that said he got saved and he lived a good life for a while. Or says he's saved. But behind closed doors, he don't act that way. Now I want you to think about this. 1 John chapter 2. Look what he says. Number, uh, chapter 2, verse 7. Dear friends. Let me make sure I didn't go back too far. Hold on just a minute. I don't know if I want to read all this. Let's, okay, let's run down to number, number 15. Let's go to number 15. 2, number 15, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world... The love of the Father is not in him. For everyone in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of one's possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. Well, that's powerful, ain't it? And the world, and the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. Now, I want to stop there and listen. If you're not of Christ, you're Antichrist. That's what he's saying. There's a lot of antichrist. And look what he says. By this we know that this is the last hour. Now listen carefully. They went out from us, but they did not belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. That is one of the most powerful verses that you'll read in this book. They went out from us because they did not belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. However, they went out so it might be made clear that none of them belongs to us. Simple words. I say this quite often. If you live like hell and have no conviction of it, you're on your way there. Are you saying people can lose their salvation? No, but I tell you this, there's people that never got it. It's not about the prayers you pray. It's not how many times you've been baptized or what church you went to. That's irrelevant. It's whether you have made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ and repented of your sins and followed him. See, that's the thing. And what happens is, is I want you to look, and I'm not saying it's irrelevant, but it's relevant that you go to church, but I'm saying when it comes to salvation, all these things is not going to save you. Even walking around church people is not going to save you. Because somebody has been saved that's been impacted by Jesus Christ. When they have been impacted by Jesus Christ, they have changed. You cannot, you cannot negotiate that. You have been changed. Your life is different. It's not longer the same. And when you do fail, you realize what a wretched man you are, and you have a greater appreciation of your salvation. Amen? You realize what a wretched man you are. And there's nobody that can deliver you from that wretchedness other than Jesus Christ. And see, here's the thing. People say, well, what about that person, like I said, Fred, that lives strong, but all of a sudden they're, they're not there anymore? Well, they were never of us. 
You see, here's the deal that I think we, we, we mess up a lot of times. Let me give you an example, and I'll use me. You see, I live two different lives, and I've shared this with you. I live the lives that the church people saw me. Then I live the life that my wife and kids saw me. Two different lives. The difference is she lived with me. The church people didn't. I had a lot of people fooled. Never will forget going to, when we were going to get married. Boy, I blew the pastor a line like you've never believed. You saved? Oh, let me tell you, brother. I don't know what testimony I said. It was a good one. And I was lost. And I convinced him that I was saved. And he married us because I lied. Now, when I got home, it was a different story. Because these three people, as Leonard Ravenhill said, that live within us. We see the one other people see and the one God sees. I was never a part of them. See, I was like the disciples that left Jesus. I was fascinated with him, but I wasn't a follower of him. And there's a big difference. I was fascinated with Christ, but I wasn't a follower of Christ. And until Christ saved me, and I realized the depravity of my sin, and the great appreciation for my salvation, it's a different story now. Because no matter what comes my way, I realize no matter what I have, no matter what I lose, no matter what I gain, no matter what I may achieve in life, nothing can compare to Jesus Christ as my Savior. Paul will say in Philippians that everything compared to Christ is skibola, and is the Greek word for poop. Everything else is poop compared to Christ. Y'all can look that up if you don't believe me. Actually, it's another word. But we'll, uh, Paul's making a point that really rattles the cage. But here's my thing. A saved man realizes his wretchedness. And I'm not going to say that any of you can't fall in sin. But when you do, you're a miserable human being. And you understand and realize your wretchedness. Because just like Paul, I don't know what he was going through, but as he's writing this book, he had the understanding that in his own flesh, he is capable of doing anything at any given time. Who can deliver me from this? Only Christ. We're all wretched. As Isaac Watts said, we're all worms. The only thing that makes us righteous is Christ. I was having breakfast with one of my brothers today, and we were talking about this. Then when God looks at us, you know, there's a problem because we're not reconciled. And we have to go all of a sudden go to Jesus. He's my reconciliation. Because I'm unholy, I'm unrighteous. But by my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, this man's my advocate. And God sees his son. And that's what John says. As believers, we're going to fail, we're going to sin. But the difference is, do you repent of it? And do you turn from it? Or do you continually walk in it? And I know this is, we've gone through this a lot on Wednesdays and gone through this a lot on Sundays. But let me tell you something. As the day and hour grows closer, I cannot help, nor will I stop, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. That that we don't deserve, Christ gave us willingly. 
And it's a message that must be resounded because in the world that we live in, like I said before, it's the atmosphere of self-righteousness and humanism that's actually taken over the corridors of the church because it's what people want to hear. People want to hear that I can live any other way and it's all by God's grace and, you know, He loves me. And it's unscriptural. It's unscriptural. So I would ask you today, and, and as, as we leave here, that when you talk to those friends, when you talk to those people, and say, y'all faith for y'all here just about every Wednesday. And y'all have heard this, and yeah, I've been redundant for two and a half years. But what I try to drive, drive in is this. You know what the Word of God says. Talk to your friends about it. Those friends that say, well, man, I'm a Christian. Are you? It's funny. We on air, though, ain't we? Never mind. Uh, I'll do this one off air. Sorry, people. Uh, you'd be surprised how many people live false lives. And don't do it for me. God sees us all. He knows every aspect of our being. We cannot hide from him. The Bible says what is in secret will be made known. Oh, wretched man am I. Who can deliver me from this? Only Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for all that you've done in us and done through us. And God, you alone deserve the glory. God, we love you. We thank you. We pray that you would continue to use us for instruments for your glory. That, Lord, we would be the shining example. That our lives would reflect the gospel, but our mouths would tell the gospel. That people would be saved. Lord, we are wretched. Apart from you, we're nothing. But in you, you and us, we have reconciliation to the Father. And that being reconciled to the Father ought to give us the gumption, the go-ahead, the want-to, to go share what we have with others. And we'll give you the praise and glory for it. All God's people said, Amen. Thank you for joining us on Facebook. Come join us Sunday as we'll be in Revelation chapter 9. Revelation chapter 9 this coming Sunday. Have a good day. What time is it?